0: So I want you to switch gears a little bit uh, mentally here because this is almost going back to trying to finish up what happens after glycolysis. Okay? That's what I mean by switching. Gluconeogenesis is the reverse of glycolysis. It's going to occur in the fasting state. Now we're going to go back to the well fed state where glycolysis is taking place. So what happens with glycolysis? You got to remember from glucose to two pyruvates you're producing energy in the form of ATP and NADH. However, the end product pyruvate can be further metabolized can be further oxidized all the way to CO2. And that end, that oxidative process is really in the second and third phase of metabolism, of catabolism, is extremely important because of its output of energy it's going to produce way more energy. We were going to produce way more energy going from pyruvate to CO2, all the way to CO2, than we did from glucose to pyruvate. So in order to do that, you need two separate pathways. One is called pyruvate dehydrogenase, and the second one is a cycle called the citric acid cycle or the TCA cycle, tricarboxylic acid cycle, or the Krebs cycle. Anyway, so I want you to just get the big picture now. We're going back as if we just went through uh, glycolysis, and we're going to process that pyruvate that we end up with in glycolysis. Both of these important catabolic pathways and cycle occur in this tiny little organelle, the mitochondria. That's the key things to always remember. Pyruvate dehydrogenase and the TCA cycle are occurring in the mitochondrial matrix. I'm just going to remind you of a couple of things because we haven't covered that yet. The mitochondria have two different members. The outer, the dark, this orange, is the outer membrane. The inner membrane, with these evaginations or Christi, is the lighter color. And inside here is the matrix, the gray. And in between is a space called intermembrane space. Anyway. The most important thing uh, first to remember is that pyruvate dehydrogenase and PCA cycle will occur exclusively in the matrix. Second important thing I want to bring up to you here is that this inner mitochondrial membrane has unique properties in that it is highly impermeable to small and large molecules. And that has important, an important significance that we'll, you'll appreciate uh, next week. <clears throat> okay? So, an important property to remember. Okay? So, you need to know, be familiar with the structure of the mitochondria because it's really meaningful and know where these things take place. Now, one important thing I want to mention to you, again, the compartmentalization where something takes place is very useful because it will help you kind of continue the story if you want. Pyruvate, let's say this is the cytoplasm outside here. Pyruvate is produced there in the cytoplasm. So before we can metabolize it any further, we have to bring it in to the mitochondria, okay? And these are some of the important things I uh, want to point out to you. But but for now, in the matrix, this is the first. Uh, these are the things that we will cover, start covering today. Pyruvate oxidation is through pyruvate dehydrogenase, and the TCA cycle, both of them. In the mitochondrial matrix. There are other catabolic processes like beta-oxidation of fatty acids also in the matrix. So that's very important. These three here and all important catabolic pathways contribute to nearly 80% of all cellular energy. So that's why we call, you know, earlier I said The mitochondria are the power plants of the cell. They're producing a lot of energy that the cell needs. Okay, so here's pyruvate from glycolysis. Again, this is, let's say, you just had a meal, digested that meal, you produced glucose, glucose picked up cytoplasm, glycolysis takes place, you produce pyruvate inside the cells, pyruvate in the cytoplasm, you produce energy as well you know, uh, the pyruvate that's produced there, actually you would produce two pyruvate per glucose, it has to be picked up, and that's why this line is there, it has to be picked into the mitochondria so below this red line everything below this red line occurs in the mitochondria so it's transported we're not going to get into the details but it's transported by a specific transporter inside the mitochondria to the matrix and that's where it is going to be broken down or oxidized to give you acetyl-CoA, okay? And then acetyl-CoA can enter the TCA cycle or the citric acid cycle and be further oxidized all the way to CO2. And this is what I want you to appreciate, that from here to there, that's where the bulk of energy will be produced much more than from glucose to pyruvate, hence the importance of the mitochondria. Okay. So I want to remind you, this is a very simple slide, but very important slide, because it has really more of a global kind of uh, thing. First of all, let's say we have pyruvate coming from glycolysis in the well-fed state, We've covered a couple of pathways already. Pyruvate can be converted to lactate. I want you to pay attention to the double-headed arrow. That means it's reversible, okay? You can go from lactate to pyruvate or pyruvate to lactate, same enzyme, lactate dehydrogenase. We also covered Pyruvate going to oxaloacetate by pyruvate carboxylase right there as the first step in gluconeogenesis. And again, pay attention to this red arrow. It's irreversible. So once you go from pyruvate to oxaloacetate, you can't go back. Pyruvate can also be converted to alanine. And look at the double-headed arrow. You can go from alanine to pyruvate. So that means you can go either way. If you have alanine, a lot of alanine, you can produce pyruvate from it. You have a lot, yes? The mic? okay. If you have a lot of alanine, you can produce pyruvate if you have a lot of pyruvate you can make alanine so this is a reversible step an enzyme enzymes called transaminases we'll cover those in block 4 but so you have two reversible fates of pyruvate lactate and alanine And two irreversible. We've covered this one. We'll be covering the last one. The last fate that we'll be covering is the decarboxylation of pyruvate by pyruvate dehydrogenase. And notice this again. Irreversible. Once you make acetyl-CoA, you can't go back to pyruvate from acetyl-CoA. So, that acetyl-CoA will most likely then have to be processed through the TCA cycle. Okay? Most likely. So, this is a simple slide, but I want you to pay attention to it. Very important in the big picture. So, in the big picture, here again, here's pyruvate coming from glucose. It has to be first brought into the mitochondria and has to be converted in the mitochondria to acetyl-CoA. And before, and and that's a really essential step because only acetyl-CoA can enter into the TCA cycle. So from a Big-picture perspective, this step here, pyruvate dehydrogenase, pyruvate dehydrogenase, going from pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, has two important purposes. It provides a metabolic link between glycolysis and the TCA cycle. That's the first purpose. The second purpose is it's going to also produce significant amount of energy, this single step from pyruvate to acetyl-CoA. Once you produce acetyl-CoA, that acetyl-CoA can never go back to pyruvate. It will enter the TCA cycle and be completely oxidized, and that's really, think of these CO2s as coming from acetyl-CoA, that's a two-carbon molecule, and here are two carbons being released, two CO2s. We'll get to that on Friday, but I just want you to appreciate that uh, you need this first pathway, pyruvate dehydrogenase, before you can uh, further uh, oxidize the product, which is acetyl-CoA. The TCA cycle In addition to a link between glucose metabolism and pyruvate metabolism, it provides a link to metabolism of amino acids. See all these different amino acids here on the side? You don't need to memorize. They can feed into the TCA cycle through their carbon skeleton deuterate, saloacetate, and so on. So they can contribute through their carbon skeletons uh, to the energy output from the TCA cycle. We'll get to that again later. Uh, So I'll start here with pyruvate dehydrogenase. Uh, Again, two important things, uh, three important things you want to know about that. First, where it takes place, mitochondrial matrix only. Okay? Second, what is its function? Metabolic link between glycolysis and the TCA cycle. Third, it will produce energy in the form of NADH. So that's. Those three things are very important to start with. As uh, that really covers two things. What is it for and where it takes place. Now this is a pretty complicated enzyme. Sometimes or oftentimes, this pathway is referred to as pyruvate dehydrogenase or pyruvate dehydrogenase complex. Because in essence, it is a complex of multiple subunits, many proteins, as well as coenzymes. So, let's get started with this complex. So, the terminology, again, I if you hear pyruvate dehydrogenase or pyruvate dehydrogenase complex, treat them the same way they are synonymous okay so we use the two terms pyruvate dehydrogenase or pyruvate dehydrogenase complex complex interchangeably okay so this complex contains five enzymes and five coenzymes okay Easy to remember, five and five. Three of the enzymes are the catalytic enzymes. Here, pyruvate dehydrogenase, dihydrolipole dehydrogenase, and dihydrolipol transacetylase. These are, all three of these are involved in the catalysis, converting pyruvate to acetyl. They need, for that, they need five coenzymes. Remember, coenzymes are a type of prosthetic group that are organic in nature. CoA, coenzyme A, FAD, NAD, thiamine, and lipoic acid. One, two, three, four, five. All of those, the five coenzymes are needed for catalysis. If one is missing, this thing shuts down. The entire complex shuts down. Four of these guys are derived from vitamins. That's most. That's how most coenzymes are, what most coenzymes are. They're derived from vitamins. So... That means we need CoA, FAD, NAD, and thiamine from the diet. These are provided by the diet. Lipoic acid is in a different color because we can make it. It's not a vitamin. It's a coenzyme, but we can make it. So we don't need, we can make enough. We don't need to get it from the diet. So I said five and five. There are two other enzymes in there. But they play a regulatory function. One of them is called PDH kinase. It's a type of protein kinase. And remember, protein kinases, their function, like protein kinase A, similar to that, is to add a phosphate or phosphates, to an enzyme or a protein at specific serine, threonine residues usually, changing their activity. So pyruvate dehydrogenase complex contains a PDH kinase. That means that protein kinase can phosphorylate the catalytic enzymes and change their activity. It also contains a protein phosphatase or also called PDH phosphatase, and the function of that is the reverse of the kinase. It can remove phosphates from serine and threonine residues on the catalytic enzymes and activate the entire complex. Okay? We'll get to that uh, some in some detail in a minute. But you need to know the five protein or enzyme components and the five coenzyme components of pyruvate dehydrogenase complex. I'm just going through some of these here. Just not you need to know anything about structural, really, components. But coenzyme A is one of the coenzymes. CoA is the abbreviation. It's derived from vitamin B5. And you can see it has a nucleotide component. You know, But this is really the important part of the molecule. This is the entire coenzyme A. And all of that, but it attaches there. See the sulfhydryl group, that's where it Attaches to say in this case acetyl A and create this high energy bond. Okay? That thioester bond is a high energy bond. Again, don't worry about the details, the structural details. I just want you to have an idea what they look like. You know, these are uh, large molecules, organic molecules derived from vitamins. Here's a simpler one, here's the acetyl group, and that's the entire CoA molecule is the rest. NAD derived from vitamin B3. Again, nucleotide component, nicotinamide, adenine dinucleotide. Again, don't worry about the structures, just have an idea what it looks like. It has a nucleotide component. It's derived from vitamin B3. And FAD, Similarly, it is derived from vitamin B2. Again, it can be reduced to form FADH2. Or similarly, NAD can be reduced to form NADH. Okay. So I'm going to skip this slide. It's a little too wordy. I'll go to this one, which is a little simpler. So to start with, I want you to know what the reaction is. If you don't know what the reaction is, there's no point in even learning the regulation and all the details. That's very crucial. This is the reaction. Focus on the red molecules. Pyruvate losing a CO2 forming And acetyl-CoA, this is two carbons, one less carbon, that's the CO2 lost, And attached to CoA, that's the product, acetyl-CoA. And this is again crucial for this and for the TCA cycle. When you lose a carbon, that's typically considered an oxidation. You shorten something. It was three carbons, now it's two carbons. That's an oxidation reaction. When you oxidize something, going from pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, you have the electrons that were lost, if you want, have to be gained by something else. That's why oxidation reduction always go hand in hand. Something loses electrons, another thing gains those electrons, okay? They don't go disappear in thin air. So once you oxidize pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, something else has to be reduced. And the something else that gets reduced is NAD+, one of the coenzymes, to form NADH. So NADH is electron rich, high energy molecule. Anytime you see, forget about the H plus here. Uh, That's just to balance the equation. But NADH itself is a high energy molecule, electron rich. So every time you oxidize pyruvate by pyruvate dehydrogenase, you produce one acetyl-CoA, one NADH. Here are the important enzymes, the three catalytic enzymes, pyruvate dehydrogenase, dihydrolipol transacetylase, and dihydrolipol dehydrogenase. What I want, you don't need to know the exact details here Just to simplify life, you just need to know here are these coenzymes, thiamine pyrophosphate, lipoate, CoA, FAD, and NAD. Their function is one of two things, either to carry the acetyl group in the case of thiamine pyrophosphate and lipoate, For A, they're carrying the acetyl group, sort of hand, you know, accepting, donating the acetyl group. The other two coenzymes are accepting the electrons. So the first acceptor of the electrons is FAD, then convert to FADH two, and then FADH two donates its electron to NAD to form NADH. So just appreciate the role of those coenzymes. And one, one, some of them just carry the acetyl group uh, over to the next acceptor, and uh, the others uh, carry the electrons. The key thing, remember what it produces, where this happens, and uh, don't worry about the details of the sequence, okay? But you need to know that these three catalytic enzymes are involved. These are directly involved in the conversion of pyruvate to acetyl-CoA. So pyruvate dehydrogenase complex, it still has, you remember, two other enzymes, the kinase and the phosphatase. The phosphatase function is to dephosphorylate the complex dephosphorylate the catalytic enzymes and therefore activate them. So pyruvate dehydrogenase complex is always active in the dephosphorylated state. And what promotes the dephosphorylation is the PDH phosphatase. Or protein phosphatase within that complex don't worry about these details here we are not covering that but this is kind of a important in the big picture but the, the key here to remember is phosphorylation of the complex activates the catalytic enzymes the reverse is true phosphorylation of the catalytic complex inhibits the complex. Phosphorylation of the catalytic enzymes inhibits the enzymes and you cannot break down pyruvate under those conditions. And this is really uh, summarized here. Here's the pyruvate dehydrogenase, that's the enzyme. Okay, think of this as the, the containing the three catalytic subunits. It's active when it is in the D state, that's when it's able to convert pyruvate to acetyl CoA and re- producing NADH. When the protein kinase, or again could be called PDH kinase because it's specific for PDH, is active, it's going to add phosphates multiple phosphates, really, to serine and threonine residues on the enzymes, part of the enzyme complex, and see what happens. They become inactive. What activates this kinase are the two of the end products, acetyl-CoA and NADH. Acetyl-CoA and NADH indirectly activate, they first activate the kinase and convert the complex from the active form. The kinase will convert the complex from the active form to the inactive form. To go back to the active form, typically you need calcium that will activate the phosphoprotein phosphatase. Okay, This one here is a little simpler I kinda like this one. So here's the active PDH. Again, that's the three catalytic enzymes. It's active when there's no phosphorylation on the catalytic enzymes. Converting pyruvate to acetyl-CoA plus NADH plus CO2. As these guys accumulate, Think about it, when these guys accumulate, let's say pyruvate dehydrogenase is going, you have a lot of acetyl-CoA, a lot of NADH. As these guys accumulate, they will activate allosterically PDH kinase. That's part of the complex. And it will start to add phosphates from ATP to the catalytic enzymes Here are these phosphates on serine and threonine residues, and the enzyme complex becomes inactive. You can go back to the active form by activating the phosphatase by either calcium or magnesium. Okay? So that's really a crucial slide to understand uh, in terms of the regulation. I just want you to appreciate that what we're getting here, let's say we started there. I want you to just uh, tune into the big picture all the time. Glucose going to pyruvate. We just oxidized pyruvate to acetyl-CoA. If you want to be accurate, this should be two pyruvates and it will give you two acetyl-CoA's, okay? Because glucose cannot give you one pyruvate. It It gives you always two, and the two pyruvates will be converted. But I want you to appreciate that that acetyl-CoA comes from other pathways as well. Yeah, I want you to appreciate that that acetyl-CoA comes from other pathways as well, and It can come from amino acids. It can come from catabolic processes involving fatty acid beta-oxidation. So it's a very important kind of common intermediate in metabolism, not just coming from pyruvate and glucose but coming from other nutrients that we uh, take in, fats and proteins, okay? I'll just I'll stop with this slide, but I want to say a couple of things. So what will happen to the acetyl-CoA? What will happen to the acetyl-CoA is it will be oxidized in the TCA cycle. That's one of the key fates of acetyl-CoA, to oxidize it all the way to CO2 so we get as much energy from it from pyruvate, from glucose as we can. However, it can also be used for other biosynthetic pathways. But for now, we're in the catabolic phase of metabolizing pyruvate. We're going to uh, oxidize acetyl-CoA through the TCA cycle. I'll stop here and we'll continue on Friday.